Buju Anin Tanse. Welcome to the Circles of Matriarchy podcast, where we invite Indigenous women entrepreneurs from all across Turtle Island to share their wisdom and stories and rematriate mentorship. My name is Ashley Richard, and I'm a proud Ojibwe, Metis, and Filipina woman. I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm joining from Treaty One territory. I'm the Associate Director of the National Indigenous Hub for the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. My role is to lead and be part of the co-creation of the future of an inclusive innovation ecosystem for Indigenous women entrepreneurs. Tanche, my name is Vanessa Lesfrance, and I am a mixed heritage Métis woman who currently resides on the beautiful, traditional, and unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, and I am your other co-host. I work with the not-for-profit, the Indigenous Lift Collective, as the Lift Circle Lead, where we meet in circle every Wednesday to co-create the conditions for Indigenous women and gender-diverse entrepreneurs to thrive. Our circles are sacred, supportive, where we aim to love and lift one another and our businesses. And we figured Rematriating Mentorship was a perfect title when we discovered the origins of the word mentor. Did you know that in Greek mythology, the goddess of wisdom Athena came down to earth in the form of the king's advisor mentor to provide guidance to the king's son? We thought that was pretty cool. The Circles of Matriarchy podcast was inspired by learning circles we held throughout 2021, where we brought together diverse Indigenous women entrepreneurs to share their knowledge in a way that honors a reciprocal exchange of wisdom. And we are so excited to extend the knowledge shared from these learning circles in our 10-part podcast series. We have some incredible Indigenous women entrepreneurs that will be joining us to share their big matriarch energy. We can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. Buju Anin Tanse Kakihekwen Indijnakaz. Welcome to another episode of the Circles of Matriarchy podcast, where we're rematriating mentorship with inspirational Indigenous women entrepreneurs from across Turtle Island. My name is Ashley Richard, and I'm delighted to be your co host. My spirit name is Forever Woman. And our guest today is April Mitchell Boudreaux, who is the owner of Lofton. And we're really excited to hear the wisdom that April has to share with us today. During our live event last year, April talked to our circles about knowing your worth and pricing your products, which is a very important topic, uh, especially in our community. And, you know, April, something that I really admired about what you brought to the live circle last year was just that concrete piece of advice. I feel like you really, uh, you left the other Indigenous women who came to the circle with the beginnings of a pricing strategy that they could leave with. And you turned, you know, what can be maybe a complicated thing to figure out into something manageable and simple that they could leave with. I don't even sell products. And I felt like I would know how to price something if I wanted to. And you really need to know your worth and communicate your worth through the pricing of your products. So thank you just for all the wisdom that you shared and for taking up space with us today on this podcast. I'm going to pass it off to my wonderful co-host, Nessa. 
Thanks, Ashley. Welcome, April. So happy to have you here. Before I pass over to you to introduce yourself, I just wanted to share something that I really admire about you. Every time I sit in circle with you, April, your loving kindness radiates. And uh, that was part of the reason why I was so excited for you to join our circles of matriarchy to be one of our matriarch mentors, because I know just the amount of, of loving anti-energy you give. And so I'm like, oh, April will be perfect for this series. And from a business standpoint, I love how Lofton is all about slow fashion and how you really encourage your customers to tap into their inner creative. I think that's so cool. And lastly, you know, I could go on and on and on, but one more thing is I also love how you are reclaiming language through um, socials. So I follow April or Lofton on Instagram and your socials are awesome and they're so uplifting and inspiring. With that said, now that you've heard all these wonderful things, how we feel about you, uh, would love for you just to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners and your business. Wow. Sago. I'm just so touched by this beautiful introduction. I don't even know what to say, but I, I will. In the spirit of the language reclamation, I'm going to introduce myself in, in Mohawk. So sego garlagwatse ne yongyats anawarla ni wage darlodon ganigahaga ni waga wanjodon. So I just said that my name is Garlagwatse, which is it's really funny because it means so our language is very verb-based and it means that I shine fiercely. <laughs> which is really great for somebody that has a jewelry business. I'm a turtle clan Mohawk and my roots are at Six Nations. I'm extremely honored to be here, to be in this fine company, to share a little bit about what I do. I am an accidental entrepreneur and owner of Lofton Convertible Jewelry, where we really are so very intentional about sustainability, slow fashion, doing more with less, and tapping into our inner creator, that we all have that gift of creativity inside of us. And so it is my honor and pleasure to act as a midwife for so many people that want to express themselves. And so I always say the business is not about me, it's about you. And certainly the topic that we're going to be talking about today is the hardest or one of the most difficult pieces for being an entrepreneur is pricing. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And what I always say to people is, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, it's really about developing yourself fully. So it's not like, well, I'm driving a bus and I'm going to just drive this business bus and we're going to do these things. There's so much introspection that has to happen mm -hmm. uh, in order for us to have success and take people with us. And, and for me, it's, it's all about who's in the circle with me. How can I elevate and amplify love in the world? And mm -hmm. so you saying that, Vanessa, about radiating love, that means a lot to me. Then I know that's really, that's why I'm here. You know, yes, shiny jewelry is 
great and it's fun to to play and to be creative but really like how can I significantly impact someone's feeling about themselves where they stand a little taller and they feel a little more proud of themselves that's really what puts my feet on the floor every morning you know I've never been a person who said I'm gonna build a billion dollar business I'm not that girl my thing is I want to elevate, I want to educate and empower, say, you know what, you can do this. Because I heard women saying some really horrible things about themselves. And I was like, mm, no, no, we're, we're going to change this conversation. Mm. And I, I really feel like we're, we are. And then like the really beautiful part about this, the, the biggest, well, one of the biggest drivers is to hire my community. And I'm so close now I can taste it. Oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's the vision. The vision is putting that actual then making in the hands of my community mm -hmm. and employing people and turning on their physical creation, all of it, just all of it. Love so, it. Yeah. Now, when you talk about, you know, that's, that's what you feel like you're put on this earth to do, like leaning into, you know, gifts that that creator gave you is just to really lift others up. Like, that's what I hear from you just to see others, love others and, and lift others up. And that's so evident April again every time I sit in circle with you that that's what I take away so I would love to hear from you then from from your business perspective so you talk all about like uplifting and and encouraging others curious why jewelry for you so you know of all the business things you you could do what what was it about wanting to focus on jewelry for Lofton well, I had always collected beads and stones and things like that over the years. And when I was expecting my youngest child, who is now 21, I can't even, how do I have a 21 year old child? Come on, you're supposed to say, I know, I know. Anyway, April, um, you look 21 yourself. So how is I, that possible? I love you. See, there you go. Just I got the memo. I got the memo. <laughs> so I was told to put my feet up and we didn't have iPads and smartphones and everything. And that's when I finally had space and time to start to play with these beads because the beads and stones had always called, always. I just hadn't done anything with them. Now I'll back up a little bit. I was a professional picture framer for 16 years. And that sounds like a, a nothing kind of a job, but it's actually a highly complex job. So I did a lot of museum conservative type of, of work. And it's a beautiful marriage of design and also understanding technical aspects of artwork. So you treat a watercolor very differently to a needlepoint, to objects to and everything came with a story and it was my job to create context for this artwork so you know we were actually one of the largest framers in North America and so things would come for the university they'd come straight from the airport to me and I I would take care of the design for that we had a, it was a huge business and we made everything on site the mats were all cut by hand the frames were cut by. So I really got this incredible training in conceptualizing and then turning that into something physical. 
But the other piece that I got because I was a designer was the understanding that a piece of artwork is going to have a life and it, and a, it hopefully is going to outlive a couch. So, you know, people are always like, well, I want to match my couch and I want to match my carpet and all of this. And so it was my job to help them understand if they really loved this artwork to frame it for its own merit so that no matter where it went, it could stand on its own and have its life. And so we would create this context and we would tell a story with textures, with layers, um, all of these things that you wouldn't think about. You wouldn't think it's that complex, but it is. So you're actually dressing, you're accessorizing that artwork. And so that it is going to shine, not about the couch, it's not about the carpet, it's about that artwork. So really it was very easy with my interest in beads and stones and everything else to just kind of slide that over to people. It's like, mm. now you are the masterpiece that we're framing and how can I facilitate you to understand that about yourself and then you take charge of that it's not me saying well you should have this and oh you'll be fabulous it's not like that it's introducing that concept and then people just run away with it I love so, that yeah and I'm wondering too because you mentioned about like how it's it's storytelling right like curating art or like you know hanging art yes. and or each art piece has a story how do you incorporate storytelling in, in your pieces? Because I sense you do and, and how you, you name your pieces and things. Yeah, it, it absolutely is storytelling. And every single one of us has a story to tell. And so I feel like by offering different textures and, and just different thinking about these, these materials, that people then feel free to tell their own story with, with the beads, with the wood. So I, you know, I feel like it's not just one story that I'm telling. I'm, I'm trying to help you tell your story. So, and my story is going to be different every time. Sometimes I'm going to feel like shiny and sometimes I'm going to feel soft. And our lives are like those strands, those strings of beads that we have moments that are big and shiny. And then we have other soft, gentle moments in time. Um, yeah, so it really, you know, allows you to express whatever that might be in a more dynamic way, that it's not, you know, a fixed thing and, and, and that's it. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, it's so beautiful how you, you bring so much meaning to, you know, creating and curating this, this beautiful jewelry. And I actually didn't know the backstory um, about art. And it's interesting how they seem so different at first, but when you tell the story about how, you know, your process and what it means to you, the, the transition seems very fluid and very natural. Um, what about, so I, I can tell that you really want to offer, you know, a very personalized, individualized, meaningful story and experience. What about, um, what do you want your legacy to be as an entrepreneur? Well, as I was mentioning earlier, <clears throat> one of those legacies is to provide 
physical work and creative work for my community. But really, I think, you know, even that feeds into the whole idea of change your mind. You know, we are unpacking and decolonizing all the time. And so many people have, you know, the program downloaded. I'm not creative. I'm, I can't, you know, I can't. And so my legacy is to say, yeah, yeah, you can actually. And, and you're so creative. Look what you did. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really the legacy. Changing people's minds to see themselves as a work of art. Create it and make mistakes on you. You're perfect. So having that realization and then being able to take concrete action, it might seem superficial it's because it's beads, it's jewelry, but there's so much more. And, and, you know, I think too, traditionally for us um, as indigenous people, we know that the things we wear carry so much more energy and, you know, these amulets that, that are with us. So that, aspect of the jewelry having good energy in that jewelry and then you know again supporting that's supporting someone else loving on themselves I love that and I love (laughs) how really your business is an invitation to play right an invitation to play and an invitation to tap into our inner creativity I heard once that um going back to creativity that you know we're all born creative people with creative spirits but at some point in our lives we're told usually by an older person oh that's not good or you know, that's not creative or that's silly and then we just start to receive from that right and we start to, to back away from from our own inner um creative and so but it's always there i think it's inside mm-hmm. all of us to your point april and so i love that that's what you know you're really celebrating with lofton Yeah. And it's beautiful that you can bring that out of people. I think, you know, maybe I I think that it's the definition of creativity that can be confusing sometimes. I think if you're thinking of creativity, you might think of, um, you know, maybe being a maker with your hands, but there's so many other ways that you can be creative outside of physically making things with your hands. And you're bringing that out of people, which is amazing. Yeah. And it, it really like I get texts or emails, messages on social media and people send pictures of what they've created and, and they're so proud and they did it themselves, you know, like that, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, because it changed their mind. And it's usually people that say, oh, I'm not, I couldn't know. Those are always the people that come up with the coolest ideas. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> Once that resistance is gone, like uh, the world is their oysters. So, you know, and, and then they'll tell me about other things that they're doing where they're being creative. And to your point, Ashley, you know, people will say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't do this. For that. Dude, it could be the way you make an omelet. Like that, <laughs> your, your life is artwork. So what are you creating in this moment? And it, if I can get one person to think about conscious and intentional creation in the moment, that's it. That's it right there. Then uh, your job here is done. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I love, and well, with all this talk of like creativity and jewelry and like your inner shine, uh, April, I love how your, your jewelry is literally shining right now and it's catching the light. <laughs> That's awesome. So go, going back to the intro at the start of the show, Ashley yeah. mentioned that last year during our uh, Circles of Matriarchy Rematriating Mentorship events, the topic you focused on was knowing knowing your worth and like pricing pricing your your products and your services to to match your worth as a business. Yeah. So would love to hear from you since this podcast is all about celebrating women's wisdom. What advice would you give to new or emerging entrepreneurs when they have questions or maybe insecurities about pricing and, and, oh, is this too much? Um, what would you love to, to tell them about knowing your worth and pricing uh, your business accordingly? So, and that's such a, that is, as I said earlier, that is the hardest part. Um, of being an entrepreneur is putting a number. And I think especially, again, as Indigenous people, you know, this whole capitalist thing is, is hard. It, it's really hard to wear. However, when you think about the fact that you're serving and people would like something from you, and you aren't going to get unless you ask. So you have to think about what your values are. So something that's important to me is accessibility with our products. So we've worked really hard to keep our prices not insane. And I've actually been sort of ushered out of stores that I might be knocking on the door back in the day to get them to carry the line. And they're like, it looks fabulous, but it's too inexpensive. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a value to me that things be available for people, that it's not a crazy price and, you know, this exclusive idea. Um, I'll give you something really practical. And I learned this in picture framing um, manufacturing, which is times five. So whatever your hard cost is, if you're actually creating something physical, then you add that up and multiply that by five. And that should give you somewhat of a guideline as to, you know, how you can cover your other expenses when you've made something. Now, having said that, there are going to be some things that maybe you'll price a little lower because you're also going to be thinking about what will the market bear? What number feels good to me? This is something else that I do. Like, does that feel right? Am I okay with this? Or does that you know, so that's important to me. And that isn't always, some people are just like dollars and cents and then, nah, nah, nah. and I'm not suggesting that people just give everything away because you do have to, you know, pay your bills and they will not accept goodwill at the bank. So, you know, you do have to have some practical things, but these are the things I consider. What, what are the hard costs um, when I'm manufacturing? So times five, um, what makes sense in the marketplace. And then you do your homework because I always say this to other entrepreneurs, success leaves clues. So have a look at other people that might be working. They don't even have to be in the same space as you. It could be a completely different business, but what are they doing that you like? And what do you value? And so especially with young people, I'm, you know, you probably know who Gary Vee is and I love him mm -hmm. and he's right. Like you have time 
So just get your head down, you know, keep studying, keep learning everything that you can about what you're doing. Stay humble, you know, like this isn't, it's not an overnight thing. There's a lot of grind that is going to go with it. And, you know, 2% of small businesses are still standing after 10 years, 2%. That is a small number. So you really have to want it. You really got to want to do it. So if you're a young person, just think of this as you're, you're going to be learning on the job. You're going to get your head down and you're just, you're going to study someone that inspires you mm. and, um, and, and, you know, spend time with people that you want to be like, right. It's always, I love being the dumbest person in the room because, you know, I'm going to learn something, right? So always staying a student, always staying open. How can I do this better? And listening to your customer, ask your customer if you're trying to price something and you can say, I'm trying to price this. Like what seems fair to you? That's, you know, to, yeah, right? that's great advice, April. Yeah. So to recap, so some of the, the tidbits you gave, so take your hard costs times five. Yep. Also like, like listen to yourself, your intuition, choose a number that feels right. Do your research. So look out what else is in the market, similar businesses, what are they charging? And then also think what are, what are the consumers, the market that you are targeting your demographic, what are they willing to pay? Does that kind of yeah. sum up? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. And just keep learning, like always have your eyes open and ask other entrepreneurs, how did you do that? How did you price? Like, that's how you learn, man. Just keep asking. Totally. Most, most other small businesses want to talk about their process because nobody likes doing the pricing. It's the worst. And I it's think the it's hardest thing. And to your point too, or, um, April, how you mentioned, I think, especially for indigenous entrepreneurs, the whole concept of like Western business models and like capitalism, it feels gross, right? It doesn't feel yes. in alignment, but then also remembering that, um, we do need to make profit to have a viable business, but then to balance it out with the other P's, right? So there's the P for profit people, planet, and purpose. And so when you live in balance, then you can start to feel good about making money because you're actually contributing to so many different um, facets of, of community and, and uh, the land. No, it's true. And, and you, you know, you not being successful isn't going to serve anyone. So if you can be successful and serve your community, then that's win-win. And, and if you're doing it in a way that you're in your, in your integrity with yourself, then, you know, it, that's, that's an amazing gift. And, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, and go easy on yourself. Like this is a day by day thing. This is, you know, in real time, you're going to be learning and just go wherever you can learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, I always say that, like, that is where the gold is truly like yeah. you want to mess up because you're going to learn, you're going to learn and you're never going to forget that. Hopefully you're going to, you know, say, well, what worked and what didn't. It's yeah. a really, very exciting journey. Mm -hmm. 
I see it. I, I like, I do see this pricing hesitancy a lot. And it, I, I always go back to beaded earrings. I was in a workshop a couple of years ago and a friend of mine was teaching me how to bead earrings. It took me so long just to get one row of beads done for this earring. I think I gave up. I kept it. I was so proud of it. Look at this one row. But after I saw how, you know, just the dexterity that it takes to bead these intricate earrings and follow the patterns, I see, you know, I have friends who are spending tons of time beading earrings, selling them for $25. And I'm thinking in my head yes. at this point, it's almost like mm-hmm. you're losing money. Totally. And then there's somebody else who, you know, they sell their earrings once every four months for a four hour window on a Sunday and they're north of four or $500 and people are willing to pay and get on wait lists for these earrings. So it's just such a, I guess my, my point of why I'm saying this to you, April, is if there was, you know, a young new, let's say an a beater making earrings and they were hesitant about pricing their products what would you what would you say to them initially well i would say that this is an inside job and this is the hardest challenge that you'll have as a maker i would say if you're just getting started don't get started on earrings that you really should be charging $400 for Start with something that's going to give you wins. Start with something simpler that if you had to, like I, as I design, I'm always thinking about production. If somebody's going to produce this, how long is it going to take them? And because I do, I, I have people that I will pay to, to manufacture pieces. So I know how long it takes to make something and I pay them $25 an hour. So that rate is based on how long it should take. So when I'm designing, I am not going to design something that is going to take that much time because for my business and what I'm trying to do, not everybody can afford $500 earrings. They just can't. Mm -hmm. So I would be saying, there's your design challenge to that beater design something that is going to take you 10 minutes to make and you can sell that for $25 and you can bang out a bunch of those in an hour and you can support your your creativity with your bread and butter so you can make the $500 earrings so you have that whole spectrum mm-hmm. but you know it's this all or nothing thinking this dualistic colonial idea this or that, blue or red, you know, male or female, whatever it is, um, there's a whole spectrum. So I would say simplify it, get something that you can sell for, you know, a less expensive amount, and that's going to help finance you to keep going. That, that. That's what I've done. That, that's how I've done it. Mm-hmm. And, um, And it's challenging. It really is. And you're going to be doing that inside work of, you know, coming face to face with this question. What am I worth? Mm. Oh, (laughs) that is really, really hard. Really, really hard. And I think the pricing journey starts there, right? With you first as a person. Yes, absolutely. And so then 
you know, if you get stuck, if you're stuck on that, oh, my worth, who am I? What am I? Think, how am I serving? How am I serving this person that is coming to my earring store or whatever? Mm -hmm. And that, that is what excites me. Like whenever I'm designing, I'm not thinking about me so much. I'm thinking about like, Oh, what's someone else? Oh, they're going to love. Oh, this is so fun. Oh, I can't wait to share this, you know, Mm -hmm. because I I just say like, it doesn't come from me. It comes through me. Mm -hmm. You know, I am tuned into the imagination station. So, you know, people like, well, I'm a designer and I'm just so no, I'm just an (laughs) amplifier for creator. Just all this stuff's floating around and I want to share it with you. It's so cool. Right. I love that. And one, one way I've I've heard of it is just thinking of money as energy, right. And it's just an exchange. So April, I love, I love what you're all about, right. Because you put that love and kindness and that good intention energy into the work you do. So that's, that goes into all, all the the products that you sell and, and all your jewelry. And so it's simply just an exchange of that energy and that time and that love for currency. Cause that's just, that's the, what, what we used to for trade right now right is currency so it's just yeah one exchange for another absolutely and thinking about that person you know that might not be able to buy the 500 dollars earrings and you still want to make them and you can but why don't you think about the person who can spend 25 or whatever and that's that's a really fun design challenge and um and then who knows all the all the steps and stages in between that you have a really, really beautiful way of making or describing pricing products in such a holistic way. You have tangible things uh, that folks can do. You know, you have the multiply by five, take into account to time. But if you, you can do those things, but if you don't do, you know, the inner work and define what your values are and figure out what you're worth and what your products are worth, it's not all going to come together until you know that. And it's, it's beautiful how you treat every individual piece that you're selling with as much respect as another piece. We're coming into our last question and just in your own words, April, what does rematriating mentorship mean to you wow i it it means i mean it it just is it's not a separate thing it's something it's like being an auntie like it just is and like you know all over the years people say oh you're you're doing this you're doing that i'm like i don't know i'm just doing what feels right and i think if we can hold each other's hands and encourage that matriarch that's inside to come all the way up to the surface I mean I have goosebumps as I say that you know it's that that's what it is it because it's already there it's nothing outside of us it's something that when we come together like this we have that opportunity to amplify, to elevate, and to rematriate for these things that are loaded into us, already in here. And we're here to help tease that out of one another, to give that space to flourish and expand. Yeah, I mean, it just is. It's an isness. It's just there. 
if that makes sense. It does. And you you do walk the talk. I don't know if I can say specifics on the podcast, but I know that I've seen you do a lot of collaborations in the past. And, you know, if you're going to get into a mainstream store on some big shelf, you're not, this is April's space for April's products. You collaborate with other Indigenous women creators and share the space and the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the deal. Like we bring our sisters with us, right? Otherwise it's a lonely journey. Why would you even want that? I couldn't, yeah, I can't relate to that. All I know is like, come on guys, let's go. This is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. April, thank you so much. And I just love, you know, your, how you talked about what rematriating mentorship means to you. I also just really appreciate sitting in a circle with you because when you shine and you shine April, you give others permission to do the same. So thank you for shining and then allowing to uh, light up the path for other young Indigenous entrepreneurs to thrive. Thank you. And we all do that, right? When we let our light shine, then it does, it casts a glow on the path. If our listeners want to keep up with you and what you're doing, where can they find you? Well, of course, on social media at Lofton. So L-O-F-T-T-A-N. There's two T's in there. Or Lofton.com is our website. But I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's kind of, it's my big art project. So you'll find me there most handily. Amazing. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of followers. Thank you, uh, Miigwech, for all of the wisdom that you've shared here today on the podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners and be sure to tune in for our next couple of episodes where we're going to be discussing a couple different topics around financial literacy and the trauma of money. So Miigwech. Merci. Yahweh. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Circles of Matriarchy. Thank you to our co-hosts, Ashley Richard and Vanessa Lesperance, and to all of our valued guests. Circles of Matriarchy is co-created in partnership with the National Indigenous Hub of WEC and the Indigenous Hub Collective. Thank you to our sponsor for this season, the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. The Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, or WEC for short, shares research and resources on women entrepreneurs in Canada. Made up of 10 regional hubs, WEC operates in both official languages and includes a network of over 250 organizations. Reaching more than 100,000 women entrepreneurs, WEC is a part of the Government of Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Strategy that aims to increase women entrepreneurs' access to financing, talent, networks, and expertise. The WEC National Indigenous Hub was given the traditional name of Mekwam Makwaikwe, which is Anishinaabeg for Ice Bear Woman. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. And be sure to tune in for another episode of Circles of Matriarchy. We'll see you next time.